When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Brandon? What's up, buddy? Andre Svechnikov's a grown-ass man. I think that's your best intro yet, bro. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you guys for stopping by tonight. Uh, we got some fun stuff planned for you. We actually have quite a bit of hockey to talk about for once, which is kind of nice. After a few weeks there, we basically had no hockey to talk about, and we were trying to figure out what the hell to do on this show when we didn't have guests. But uh, plenty of stuff for tonight, and we're actually going to be kicking the tires on a few new segments at the end of this podcast. Uh, we, we've been kicking around some ideas for a while that uh, we'd like to do a weekly thing, so make sure you stick around and check those out. They'll be uh, towards the end. But... First off, uh, Tuesday night, we had probably not the cleanest hockey game the Carolina Hurricanes have ever played, um, but they were able to pull off a 4-3 to overtime win against one of the best teams in the West. Also, we got two other games to talk about in this little <laughs> period of time since we last spoke. Um, it was the New Jersey Devils and Jack LaFontaine's first NHL start. We're going to go over that a little bit. And a really, really fun, very, very complete maybe like a five-minute lull at the beginning of the third period. But other than that, I'd say one of the cleanest games the Hurricanes played played all year against the New York Rangers. Uh, that 6-3 to three win, I don't know, a couple of nights ago. Time doesn't mean anything to me since COVID hit. So, thoughts. I will let you get it kicked off because I feel like I've already been talking for long enough for now. I, I know I introduced those kind of like out of order. So, go ahead and start with the Rangers game, and then we'll work our way up to uh, Tuesday night's battle with Vegas. So with the Rangers, man, it's like this entire season, I felt that they haven't played very many good teams. Yeah. Like, granted, they are one of the better teams in the league. And I mean, they have a lot of skill. And if guys like Kako and Lafreniere and even Philip Heedle can start to get going, I mean, that's going to be a scary team, right? Okay, as a quick aside, and I know this used to be like my bit was trashing Lafreniere, but like... I just don't see how he's going to be that good of an NHLer unless he can start to skate better. He needs to get out of that system. I just don't, I I just don't see it, man. And it's crazy that like he was such a can't miss prospect and he just seems like Warren Fogle. <laughs> like, well, when his, when his coach is only playing him eight minutes a night with fourth line right. players, he's in a grinder's like, role and, and he's, he's actually playing, doing a decent job because he's playing with a physical edge and, you know, he's done a lot of decent things for them. And the skill does flash on occasion, at least. But it's still crazy to me. And, yeah, to your point, I, I guess they're not exactly utilizing him all that well. No, they're not. It's it's really bad how they're utilizing him. So I think part of it's that. Um, but with the Rangers, I mean, their inexperience is showing. And yeah. the Hurricanes showed them what an elite team looks like i've seen a lot of tweets like that from other teams as people lately it's yeah like, like when we when we beat the bruins seven exactly. to one uh i think one of their beat writers for the athletic uh because boston think, was really hot coming into that game and he said right. you know <laughs> just when boston started to think they were an elite team carolina yeah. showed them what that looks like and that's that's been the case more and more often this season i think the hurricanes just at every level can beat you, oh, whether yeah. it's whether it's you know the first line with Aho, Teravainen, and Jarvis, or you know the third line. They're they're able to beat you, and I mean, the Rangers game showed that. I mean, 
even with Shesterkin and Net, I, I still think the Canes would have won just because oh, yeah. of the quality chances they got. I mean, you look at those goals, like how many of them were backdoor deflections, stuff like that. Like how many, even Shesterkin, who's been the best goalie in the NHL this year, he's not stopping by most of those. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, they have potential. And I think if the Rangers trade for somebody like Chikrin, for example, makes their team better, but if, the rumor is, you know, two former first round picks and a first round pick in this coming draft, which more than like, or I mean, it's a former first round pick, an NHL player and, or some, something like that more than likely means they're going to get rid of Kako, possibly, possibly more than likely Kravtsov, Kako, and um, they're first in this coming draft. And I mean, Kravtsov is obviously not playing for them, but Kako fills a role and they're losing a first round pick and their window hasn't opened yet. In my opinion. Right. I don't know if I make so, that trade if I'm then to your point, like, I don't think I do, but I think there's always this added pressure of being in a bigger market Yeah, that I think we don't account for because, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of fan pressure here, but it's not like, you know, if the Canes are bad, the NHL is going to like feel it, you know? Right. If the Rangers are consistently bad, it hurts the league more than if the Canes are bad. Right. So I think the Rangers are going to be a very competitive team. And I think, you know, if the Canes faced them in the playoffs, it'd be a competitive series. I mean, we saw those games were tough. Yeah. I don't think the Rangers are really that much different of a team. I just think Shesterkin. I mean, like, that's really all I had to say about them, to be honest with you. Like, he's been – I mean, I just said a minute ago, he's been the best goalie in the league this year. That's backed up by analytics, goal saved above average, and I think he's got the best save percentage in the league. So, you want to look at basic counting stats, that says so too. In the playoffs, like, a good goalie can – be the difference like that can take you to a Stanley Cup if a goalie gets hot at the right time and and they do have a lot of talent I don't think yeah. it's substantially more than they've had in past years I think they're about the same team outside of net um which is crazy to say oh he's an upgrade over Lundqvist but at the end of his career to what you know Shesterkin is now I'd say he is right. um but I don't think they match up super well with the Hurricanes um I think their inexperience shows a lot when you see a team that aggressive that's in their face for a full 60 minutes and creating turnovers. And I think it causes a lot of problems for them. And you end up with a lot of backdoor opportunities like the Hurricanes got, a lot of deflections, just constant pressure that even an elite goalie is going to, you know, cave to at some point. So, yeah, I I do think they're a team to be worried about. Um, But I think they're probably the third most or third scariest team in the Metro. After the Capitals and Hurricanes. That's not yeah, a lot. They... Sorry to say that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. From the small sample size, I've noticed that LaFontaine's rebound control is an issue. But at the same time, when your team is giving up that many like wide open chances, how much of that can you blame on your goalie? And how much of that can you blame on, you know, the defense? Right. So I guess it's glad that I'm not making that call. And I mean, I I mentioned this, I wrote an article today that should be out, I think, later this week, basically saying, you know, LaFontaine, like the AHL is where he should have started. Right. You know, he. he that's what I said that night. It's like there's a reason most goalies spend a lot of time in the AHL to get used to professional speed. Yeah. And it's like there's a reason most goalies don't break it, break into the league until they're like 26. Right. The skill gap between the AHL or yeah, the NCAA and even the AHL is substantial. And the fact that he was thrown into the NHL, it's just, it's tough because both time, like when he gets put in the game against Columbus for his NHL debut, the team very clearly didn't have it and they phoned it in. And it was the worst effort of the season by a country mile. And then again, the team put out another terrible defensive effort in front of him. So it's like, how much can you take away from this? 
Right. I think the only thing you can really take away other than his rebound control is just the Canes defense still, in my opinion, could use a better piece. Yeah. And I don't think he looked comfortable. Um, <laughs> it was even some minor stuff. Like when the puck went behind the net, he did not do what you're taught to do. Like he was sideways basically. And I, I saw it a couple different times. I don't know. That just like kept sticking out to me. The puck goes behind the net and he's like, he's got his pad down and to keep the puck out against the post. But then like his shoulders are turned like equal to the goal line. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Like if a quick pass and shot happens, that's going to be a goal every time. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It, it's little stuff like that. Like, again, he needs to spend time in the AHL. He's not an NHL goalie right now. That's fine. Um, the Hurricanes probably said when they signed him, it was probably part of the incentive to get him to sign right now that they would give him a shot. And they did. Um so they can't really be accused of not holding up their end of the bargain when yeah. um, come time to re-sign him in the offseason. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does in Chicago. Uh, it'll, it'll be, you know, it's still going to be yeah, a challenge. So the, the Devils game and the defensive issues in that game made me think that, you know, maybe you look to get Bear back in and then you don't put him in and the defense once again just kind of falls apart against Vegas and Smith was directly responsible for the first goal against. And, Oh, it's just so frustrating because man, bear's been good this season. He's only had maybe one or two bad games and it earned him a scratch for three of them. So it's frustrating. It makes me realize that the Canes still need some help on the back end. I think Smith isn't the answer, obviously. The biggest issue that I have, I think, is, and I don't think many people are talking about this, but Ian Cole takes at least one or two terrible penalties a game. He's been struggling lately as a whole. I'd say in the New Jersey I'd say the last like 10 or 15 games, he's been like just flat out bad. Yeah, definitely not who we saw early in the season because he was really good at that point. And the problem is just he has I don't think him and Smith is that great of a pair. Well, it's funny. They were they were Money Puck had him as one of the best short or uh shutdown pairings. And it's like Cole does a very good job of shutting things down and you know he can provide offense when needed. But it's like the penalties are such a problem. And it's like the Kane's penalty kill is so good, but when you keep taking penalties, you re- run the risk of giving the other team momentum. And also, they're, they're seeing you're either going to give them momentum or kill yours. Yeah, and but also, like as good as the Canes penalty kill has been, except for that one little you know slump they had a couple games ago, where they let in quite a few in back to back games, if I'm not mistaken. It, like you're just giving the opponent a chance to see you again and again, and yep. at some point they're going to make some kind of adjustment and say, "Hey, they pressure super hard here. This is opening things up on the weak side, or whatever the case is," and you know, it's going to bite you at some point. Yep. It's tough. I mean, I, I, I don't love the defense right now. And I, I know a lot of people are throwing uh, Klingberg out right now. And Brandon, I know you wrote an article, but it's like somebody actually, and I'm going to shout out Luke Schull here. Um, we were talking about this a few days ago, I believe. He was saying basically Klingberg is so demoralized and just fed up with Dallas right now that you run the risk of him just having a bad attitude and not playing up to his potential. And his defensive play has always been a little below average. And if you add him to the roster, you're running the risk of having both D'Angelo and Klingberg being players that can easily be exploited by talented forwards and it's just, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. It's just, it's something to consider, but man. like Right. And no, and I, and I understand that. My rebuttal to that would be, I, I mean, I think getting his way would light a fire under him and re-energize him, especially going to a contender. Like going to Carolina where you're one of the probably 
top choices to potentially win a Stanley Cup this year with like Colorado's of the league and whoever else you got up there, Vegas. Um, right. I, th- I think putting him in with a team like that gets him going. And in that article that I think you mentioned, um, out on the hockey writers right now, if you haven't read it, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, but I advocated for the trade. I said, I think it would, you know, giving the Hurricanes two puck-moving defensemen that can create offense both at five-on-five, five, but especially on the power play, not very many teams have two legit star offensive defensemen like the Hurricanes would in that scenario. And the idea, I, yes, Klingberg's not great defensively, but he pushes D'Angelo, who I'd say is a little worse, it pushes him down into a third-pairing role where he's not taking on so many top lines alongside Slavin. Klingberg is not the one getting those opportunities. And, yes, probably not great, but Dougie's offensive game – or defensive game, excuse me, improved a lot when he came to Carolina and was playing alongside Slavin. So I think there's a decent, if not pretty good, chance that he could see the same kind of bump um, and potentially – you know, I, I think it could work really well. I, I don't know – you know – Tulski, I'm sure, has his system to figure out <laughs> if he gets in this system. Will he, you know, be a fit? I, you know, I have full faith in those guys to figure that out. And if the Hurricanes are as interested as they reportedly are, I'd say that's a pretty good sign that they do think it would fit here. <clears throat> I mean, Friedman mentioned that the Canes have also kicked tires on Chikrin. Really? Okay, that would be really interesting. Um, or. He either mentioned it or, you know, said that we're probably interested just because it seems like the Canes are at least listening in on every big name now, which is that's which how is I awesome. started that article, man. It's like, well, I, I what I specifically said was the Hurricanes will take all your defensemen. And then I went back to that offseason where we signed Gardner and like everybody else and everybody was making jokes about the Hurricanes just signing every defenseman in the league. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but it it, does. I mean, and they've said multiple times they're not doing their job. If there's a player of value that comes available and they don't at least check in on it, if it can make the team better, they're going to check, you know, and and one last thing I'll add to this. I think this is the year the Hurricanes are going to make a big splash. I think with the prospect pipeline, the way it is, you know, no tops, no true stars, but tons of depth and the team is ready. Like it's time. Yeah, I'm I think not it's sure how they I do don't know it. if it's a forward or a defenseman. They're going to pull the trigger on something. I'm not sure how they do it. You know, that's right. that's going to be the interesting thing because they're probably going to have to move salary. Right. Of some sort. Or get retained, which is going to make the price higher. Yeah. Or do like some weird like three team trade where, right. you know, one team takes, you know, complicated stuff. Right. But. This does, I agree, this does feel like the year the Canes make something happen because, I mean, yeah, Kokaniemi is going to probably take a pay cut, but then you factor in the fact that Martin Natchez is due for a very big paycheck next year. Yep. And, let, and I still don't think you can let both Trocek and Niederreiter walk. I think Trocek is gone still. I think Niederreiter's probably going to stick around. Trocek's been great lately, by the way. I was dragging on him for a while because he was struggling, but he's been really, really good lately. Yeah, the Canes are finally getting that depth scoring that apparently we've never had. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... You know, Niederreiter's um, a third liner and has 12 freaking goals. Right. We're still having... I mean, the trade deadline is still two months away. Just about. A little under two months. So... A lot can change between now and then. Um, the Canes could look to, you know, probably. I mean, all, in all honesty, I bet you there are quite a few teams calling about Jack Drury right now. Wouldn't surprise me in one, one bit, because he would be able. He would make an NHL team today. Yeah. So I guarantee you, teams are calling. Doesn't mean the Canes are looking to trade him though. You know. I don't I don't think they want to trade him, man. He's just such a perfect match for what they want to do. Sure. I'm just I'm just saying, you know. It maybe some maybe some team if... maybe some team sees them as highly as the Hurricanes, I'm sure, do, and will give them the kind of value they think they should get. In that case, yeah, sure. I mean, they saw him in two NHL games, and I mean, I guarantee you 
NHL GMs prefer players that are pro ready because it helps their team now and, you know, gets them off the hot seat, you know? Right. But here's the question with that, man. Like the easiest way to win in today's game is to have talent like Jack Drury on that kind of contract in your NHL team helping you. This was like why the, oh, Seth Jarvis, sure. the, Seth, the idea of Seth Jarvis getting involved in anything is just not going to happen because he's a top six forward right now for what, $900,000 a year for a couple more seasons after this one. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, Oh, it doesn't. I agree. I'm more just saying like, Hey, you know, this, it, it could happen, but I still don't think it will. Right. But yeah, I agree. But, all, right. all right. So we're talking about the defense obviously hasn't been great lately. And uh, I, I think that also can apply to last night's game. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be two nights ago um, against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and I give the Hurricanes a lot of credit for pulling that game out because obviously Vegas is a really good team. They had all the momentum in the third. You don't love blowing a two goal lead at any point, but the ability to find that again and not, you know, allow them to continue that momentum and end up with both points. I think that says a lot about this team's medal, um, which we shouldn't be questioning to start with <laughs> as we've seen from, you know, the myriad comebacks and, you know, the fact that they played the same way, no matter what the score is and are never out of a game. Um, but I saw a stat today that the Canes have blown the most two goal leads of any team in the league this year. They've blown them, but they probably still end up winning a lot of those. <laughs> They're three, three and one. Oh, wow. Hmm, that's interesting. But again, after blowing a two goal lead, that's, you know, 500 hockey, it's could be worse, you know, because again, yeah. the momentum thing, I, I'd like to see the overall stats on that. I wonder how many teams actually end up winning or maybe it is about 50, 50. You never know. Yeah, um, the Maple Leafs are four, one and one for reference. That's kind of surprising actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, back to the defense, I, I think it was definitely sloppy again last night. Um, Obviously, that Smith turnover probably would be the one we're looking back on today if the Hurricanes hadn't won, because at that point, it was really all Canes. They were up 2 nothing. Yeah, puck's got to be out. It was a nice play by Colazar. I thought he was really good last night, actually. Um, you know, I barely know anything about Keegan Colazar other than his name. I've seen him floating around for a while, but I've never, I don't think I've ever really watched him play until last night. And he was impressive with his physicality and forechecking. I think he'd actually fit pretty well as a Hurricane. Um, but he did make a great play. And then Nolan Patrick with a world-class play as well, pulling that puck between his legs and finishing. Um, obviously, it probably doesn't go in if Freddie doesn't get knocked into thanks to Ian Cole. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, other than that play, like, there's just a lot of odd man rushes. Like, how many two-on-ones did Vegas have last night? It, even, even without counting the two they had in overtime, it was a lot. Right. Yeah, like, and, and Freddie played great. Um Made a lot of big, timely saves. You'd like to have that Hague back, goal back probably. Trojek might have screwed him a little bit. But um, other than that, you know, Freddie was a big reason the Hurricanes won that game. Um, and, and, you know, we can actually tie this into John Austin on Twitter was uh, asking us to talk a little bit about the Hurricanes system, um, just X's and O's type stuff because, you know, everybody knows it's, it's aggressive. You know, it's all about, you know, skating really fast. But – a lot of people don't know much beyond that. And in fairness, we really don't either. Like it, as far as X's and O's stuff, we don't know what they're exactly supposed to do in what situations and all that stuff gets coached up, you know, starting in the summer, you know, implementing their systems and what they're supposed to do in certain situations. And there's only so much you can gather from watching the games. Um, but basic level stuff, <laughs> again, it's about speed and aggressiveness. Um so, you know, the biggest thing that I notice is, first of all, they pinch more than any team's defense in the league. I don't have any stats to back that up, but if it's not true, then I would, well, I'd be willing to bet a lot of money it is. Um, they're always looking for the strong side defender that is on the side the puck is coming out on the opposing team's breakout. That defender should always be looking to pinch. But he has to be making sure he has the adequate puck support back through the middle Hence, you see a lot of two-on-ones like you did last night. One simple chip, they've got guys flying the zone. There's only one man back for the Hurricanes. So you've got to have that center, winger, whoever support coming back through the middle to take that defender's spot in case he gets beat. Um, and, I mean, there's a handful of set face-off plays that we've seen. But other than that, like, I don't – 
I can't really tell you exactly what they're supposed to do um, systematically, but it's just a system of heavy forechecking, pinching as much as you can, and more than any other team, it's being on your toes and pushing. Like that's why they probably still dump and chase more than any team in the league because they know their forwards are going to be on it immediately and causing problems for the opposing defense. I know that's not like a great answer. And I didn't really give you too much crazy stuff. And a lot of you guys might already know that you guys are pretty smart hockey fans, contrary to Canadian belief, but yeah, that's pretty much what I got for you. <laughs> I mean, just watching the Canes play, you know, the biggest things that stand out is their ability to read the play to react to it and to make you pay for every single mistake you make. Yeah. That is one other thing I wanted to point out. A a lot of four checks have want two on the puck and the hurricanes actually don't do that. Despite their hyper aggressiveness, they cover the breakout options super tightly. And even in three on three, we saw that last night on the game. Yeah, I was going to, I was just going to say, we saw it last night um, where, you know, Svechnikov, and it was so perfect. He he's what an awesome far and he's far enough away from whoever Petrangelo was passing to, to make Petrangelo feel comfortable making right. that pass while Aho rushed Petrangelo. So he's already making kind of a rush decision. Svechnikov just swoops in and steals that puck. All of a sudden, you've got an already panicking Petrangelo covering to get Svechnikov, leaving Aho wide open. Beautiful play. Yeah, he's like a safety like, in football. He was just reading the quarterback's eyes, knowing where he's going to try to go, and then he jumps the route for the interception. Basically exactly. The same and it, it's like this type of thing happens every single time where you just have these players playing hyper-aggressively. And Rod Brindamore, I mean, it's not free-range defense, but the defenders have the ability to go up and pinch. And that's also why it leads to odd man rushes is because the defense – can be so aggressive, which is why it's kind of nice having stable presences in net now, because we probably give up more high danger chances than a lot of, you know, other playoff teams just because of how aggressive we are. Right. But you also saw last night, like Micah Blake McCurdy uh, at ineffective math on Twitter tweeted basically like a shot chart of all the hurricanes chances. And we had so many shots from around the net that you, I mean, it, it was astounding. Like yeah. the Canes just will relentlessly push the front of the net. And that's, that's how, that's how goals, you're going to beat team. I yeah. mean, look at every single goal we scored last night. Right. One was a deflection in front. One was a, were, like a third chance. Nita Riders was one was a third, third chance. chance right in front of the net. And then Trocek's goal was, you know, Back off of an, Odd man rush backdoor pass, but he was right. He was crashing the net. Yep. And even Aho, so, like one touch pass. Exactly. Right on top of the blue paint, basically. It's so nice seeing the Canes finally like pushing that area and getting pucks to the middle. No doubt. Because they didn't do that they, for the longest time. Even but in like so, recent years, there was times where I was just like, get to the freaking net. And I feel like I'm saying that a lot less this year. They're doing a great and job. When you, when you don't and the have price, Nino Nita Rider. When you don't have Nino Nita Rider in net or in front of the net, you notice that the Canes are getting less rebound opportunities. Project's been doing that really well too. That's one area of his that's game true. really picked up. He's been great net front presence, deflections, all that stuff lately. Yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit on the systems that I can speak to. Right. But again, having not played the game, X and the X's and O's mean nothing to me. I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, and, and again, like good. we're not really going to be able to gather that just watching. I mean, you really could if you really study it, but um, and I'm not going to go back and watch. I'm sorry, I love you guys, but not that much. Yeah, I mean, like there's something to be said about X's nose, but like it's not hard to see. Like the Canes just are a relentless attacking team, and they'll wear you down and force you to make mistakes. All right, before we jump into anything else, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So with that said, let's take a minute and get a quick word from DraftKings. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. 
The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Andre Svechnikov, man. We're just going to gush about him every week. And you, this is just going to be one of our weekly segments. What did Svech do this week? Five consecutive. Uh, see, there was the lacrosse games. move turned into a pass. <laughs> My God, which which I love because like last season he he attempted it and then turned it into a pass and it worked as well. Yeah, and I think I mean with Zegras doing kind of a similar thing this year too. Like I think you're gonna see that turn into a way to create an offense because it forces players to try and attack you because. I mean, let's be honest, they don't want to get dunked on by a lacrosse move, right? Yeah. But Trip broke this down during that, too. A defender kind of has to seal both posts to do that. It's really hard for one defender to seal both posts. So oh, in that sure. game, the both Rangers defensemen sealed the two posts. And at that point, you've got one Nino player. wide open. Right. You've got two defensemen marking one player at that point. All of a sudden, Nino Niederreiter is wide open in front. And that's such as hockey sense and reading that play his the patience to wait for that passing lane between the defender skates and then the finish. I mean, just. And the playmaking we mentioned last week that his playmaking has improved. I mean, we saw it last night against Vegas too. Excellent. That was a beautiful pass both times. Petrocek was incredible. Oh man. Between the defender's legs again, perfectly on the tape for the tap in. Love it. Yeah. I mean, he's just, Five straight multi-point games, including seven of the last nine overall. He's got at least two points. I think he's got exactly two points in all those. I could be wrong on that. But, I mean, this is something I've been harping on for a while. Like, he's so close. His game is getting – he's dominating, but he wasn't getting the results for a while. And, you know, last year that kind of happened, and I feel like his game suffered. He started to take lots of penalties and couldn't get any calls himself. And I, I think it got in his head. And his game suffered. You know, we talked about the slump he was in last year. It was kind of a one-year delayed sophomore slump. That's what I've called it many times. But he never got down on himself. He stuck with it. And now he's just looking like an absolute load to deal with. Like, just great, great hockey player. Like, I'm so excited to watch his career for the next decade, hopefully longer, that he's in Carolina. I mean, just... From past experience, he's not a good boxer, you know? <laughs> well, right. But I, I, feel, I feel like that could be something he's kind of worked on since uh, that happened. I, I have a feeling that at some point he's uh, – I don't, I don't know if he's taken any boxing lessons or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if he had. But just from the way – has he gotten laid out once this year? Knock on wood. I don't want it to start happening. Uh, he usually – other players are on the receiving end. Right. I think he might've gotten knocked down like once or twice. <laughs> it's like people are trying to hit him, like even like bigger defensemen. Um, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody stepped up on him and he destroyed him a couple games ago. It was Brad Hunt and Brad Hunt's not a big guy. He's like, five, <laughs> yeah, ten, that, was, so. that was funny. That was just a poor decision on Hunt's part really. And he got trucked, but I mean, it's, it's not just him. Like, Lots of players have tried to hit him, and he's gotten so good. <laughs> I've compared him to Peter Forsberg a few times. And Peter Forsberg was a master of the reverse hit. People would come in and try to hit him, and he would decimate them. And Svetch has gotten real good at that, too. <laughs> like, yeah, I wouldn't try to hit him if I was on the other team. I can tell you that much. So, Brandon, do you well, want to debut our new segment? Let's get it, baby. I'm excited right. to uh, take these for a test run. Which one are we doing first? So, what I – one of my favorite bits every year is around trade deadline time. I feel like the cap friendly armchair GM trades are just a gold mine. And I've noticed over the past few years that it's always like this <laughs> and it's always just fantastic content. So Brandon and I, what we've decided to do is every week we're going to bring you a handful of the Best or the worst, depending on how you want to look at it. Cat-friendly armchair GM trades. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll so, put some good ones in here if we see some good ones we think could work, but a lot of them are probably going to be bad. And if, if you want to create one and if you're like, hey, I think this one works, tweet <laughs> it at us, let us know, and we'll absolutely take a look because, <laughs> you know, honestly, own, uh... right, do this at your own risk because if it's bad, you're going to get flamed for it. I'm so sorry. Like, so I have in front of me two different armchair GM posts by two different people and I'm not going to name the people because if they're a listener I'm sorry but you know so the first one is just for goalies we've got two goalie trades in this one so Brandon are you ready oh I'm ready so this first one involves Vancouver with a new GM Yaroslav Halak with 750k retained in exchange for Alex Lyon and a 2023 second. Not too bad. That's not terrible. But Halak would probably be the third best goalie on this team right now. Yeah. However, sure. it gets better, though. Unless Ranta was out long term. Right. It's, he's not. He's back now. Right. So, <laughs> so the next trade in this one and the final one involves the Dallas Stars. And you're probably thinking, oh, man, a John Klingberg trade. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. Braden Holtby with a million retained in exchange for Ryan Suzuki and Dominic Bach. (laughs) Bach, given how he's played this season, I don't know if he's going to have much trade value. And Ryan Suzuki... Again, top both these are former first round picks. <laughs> in exchange like for <laughs> in exchange for a guy that would probably be again be like the third or fourth best goalie on this team. Like I saw this one and I could not believe it. Because I'm like, first of all, this person's probably like one of those people that just looks on either hockey DB or elite prospects and is like, wow, these people don't have points, they must suck. <laughs> and I was like, cool, let's just throw them into a trade. Like I've been I've been banging the drum all year and that Suzuki's not bad. He just needed more time to develop. And just because a player isn't in the NHL right away doesn't mean they're a bust. Yeah. We've been lucky enough to have three players since 2015 make it to the NHL right away. And Aho, Svechnikov, Jarvis. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Not regularly, no. Even the fact that Jack Drury is making it at, what, 21 is pretty rare. Right. So Canes fans were a little spoiled and you need to be patient with development because I'm fucking sick of talking about it. <laughs> All right, Brandon, what's so yours? You came up with this segment just so you could go on that tangent about prospect development. I see how it is. Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> All right. Um, I actually only had one until like a few minutes before this. when Matt was like, Oh, we're going to do two instead. And I was like, okay, fine. But I actually just remembered one that um, somebody suggested a couple weeks ago. So I decided, why don't we go ahead and bring it to light on the podcast? Um, this was actually from Twitter. <laughs> it was talking about John Klingberg. So here's your Klingberg proposal from a Dallas fan. I should probably throw that in there. Seth Jarvis and a first round pick for John Klingberg. <laughs> <laughs> um. The first I one hate it here. is probably what uh, the price for Klingberg is going to be. Just looking at past trade deadline deals, uh, David Savard yeah. got a first round pick just last year. So I'm guessing Dallas isn't going to give him up for anything less than a first, especially with them trying to trade him now when there's still half a season left. You're basically getting, well, you can't really say twice as many games because the playoffs are a big part of it. But, um, you know, you're getting a lot more use out of them than your usual trade deadline rental. Um, so yeah, I thought that one was pretty funny. Um, I replied to it and kind of gave that guy the business a little bit, but, uh, respectfully, but that's absurd. Seth Jarvis is not here, guys, like just settle down. Um, and he's certainly not for any rental around the league unless it's like somebody ridiculous. Um, anyway, uh, and the other trade proposal now bear with me on this one. Cause cap friendly is actually a little bit confusing trying to get 
it's a three-team trade, so it's not as simple as in, out, and that's who's involved. Um, I'll start off just by saying who's going out and who's coming in for the Hurricanes, and then I'll try to give a quick rundown of exactly how it's all going to work. Um, so, okay, so the Hurricanes are trading veteran, fourth line, very versatile and can really fill any role on the team and move up and down the lineup whenever Derek Stepan and top four defenseman Brady Shea. In return, they are getting a player they could have had for free in Alex Galchenyuk. Blake Spears, who I know little to nothing about, and a good prospect in Thomas Harley. Why? I've been laughing silently. I had to mute myself for this one just because... um, It doesn't make any sense, man. None. None whatsoever. Look, the Coyotes are getting... (laughs) I'm just now seeing the Coyotes are getting by far the best side of this because they're trading. Okay, let's let's see who exactly Blake Spears is real quick. So I, I just pulled it up, actually. Blake Spears, I believe, was involved in the Taylor Hall deal. Oh, that's his claim to fame with his five NHL games at 25, the former third-round pick who has three points in 28 AHL games this year. Yeah, I was going to say Blake Spears just kind of seems like a contract that they threw yeah. in here. Which, so, so read what the Canes receive again. They received Alex Galchenyuk, Blake Spears, and Thomas Harley. No yes. picks, right? So you're again, basically... Harley's a pretty good prospect. I, I will throw that in there. Um, he's a big, he's a good skater, and he's got some offense in his game. You're getting one magic bean, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. For two players that for are two... pretty important pieces of your team. And you're a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Player. That might be the one of the worst trades I've ever <laughs> seen. I'm not even gonna lie. Like I, I a Coyotes fan must have made this because absolutely they had sense. to. It doesn't even make sense for them because they're not poised to win right now. And they're getting Joe Pavelski and Brady Shea. She's Usually what like, happens Shea's I've only noticed. got like one more year on his deal, and Joe Pavelski's 37, 38. Again, what people probably do is they probably see 37 the points and are like, oh, this player's bad because they only have this many points this <laughs> well, year. Well, Shea's probably got some points. I'm pretty Shea's stat line doesn't look too bad right now. Yeah, like the most common hockey argument essentially can be boiled down to points equals good. Yeah. Which, you know. That has like, to even get on me at points. It's some, I think I actually said this last week when we were talking to Tulski, but even sometimes I'm like, hey, this prospect's doing good, just trying to check in on how they're doing. And he's like, shut up. Points, aren't, points do not equal good. Like, this okay, is me. Sorry, That's, right. I, I'm, I'm the person he's talking about. Yeah, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's great that Jackson Blake has 50 points in the USHL this year, but he's also a year older than he should be playing in, you know, a kind of not great league. Right. He should be putting up these numbers. If he wasn't, I'd be concerned. So, man, I'm... Yeah, you're getting basically AHL help and an NHL-level prospect. And there were no other deals, so it's like just purely a cap-clearing move for a team that's in win-now mode. Yeah, it makes no sense. That's the only thing I'm seeing is it clears $3 in effective cap hit. Like, (laughs) I don't get it at all. Um, And, you know, looking at this trade more, I, I think it makes the least sense, surprisingly, for the Dallas Stars. They're trading Joe Pavelski, who is having a fantastic year. He's been great ever since they got him. And Thomas Harley, who's one of their top prospects, and a second-round pick. And all they're getting is Derek Stepan, Billy Sariarvi, who's a decent fringe NHLer. Uh, got a little bit of offense in his game. I, I think he might still be pretty young, so still maybe some upside there. And a third-round pick. So they're downgrading on a pick, getting 30-year-old Derek Stepan and a fringe NHLer for their top defensive prospect and one of their best players. It's, it's what ridiculous. the hell is this trade, dude? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I just. It says their favorite team. I, I clicked on the person that made this. It says their favorite team is the Edmonton or the St. Louis blues and their second favorite is the Edmonton Oilers. So why the so hell this is probably a person that's just like making up trades just to like kind of stir the pot. 
but it's like it makes no sense because why would Arizona, a team that isn't going to be a Stanley Cup contender this year, barring you know an act of God, why would they be acquiring Pavelski? Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. None. All right. So I've got one more for you, Brandon. Okay. So this the the last one we have here. I clicked on this one just because they used a word in their title that's a red flag typically. The title is reasonable trade deadline. <laughs> and when you put the word reasonable in there, that's that's when I start to question how reasonable it actually is, you know? So the first one and you know maybe like Alex uh would be better suited to give commentary on this, but it involves the Ottawa Senators. They trade Artem Zub with 1.25 million retained for Ethan Bear, Jake Gardner, and a 2023 second round pick. So basically, you could possibly downgrade on Bear while trading away your long-term injured reserve cap space and a second round pick. We need to challenge ourselves to find something that do make sense. Cause we can probably find shitty ones all day. <laughs> uh, the shitty ones might be kind of funnier though. They are funny. I'm going to lie. Yeah, that's fair. So number two in his, in this reasonable trade deadline involves the Carolina hurricanes making their first ever trade with the Seattle Kraken trading Carson Susie to the Carolina hurricanes. For Ryan Suzuki. What the f- again? Oh, there's more. Maxime Lajoie, who seems like to just be a contract. He's basically the same player as Susie is. And a 2022 second round pick. And it's okay. Yeah. No, for yeah, sure. Suzuki and a second. I want to make that deal. Right. Right. That's that that seems like a deal that Francis would actually do. And you know right, that doesn't happen. Right. Francis, Francis would say yes to this trade just because he'd be fleecing a team. And so, but like, again, it's like when you use the word reasonable and your thing, I already know for a fact that it's not going to be reasonable (laughs) because you do dumb stuff like this. Like, I don't know much about Zub as a player, but I guarantee you trading essentially bear in a second is not going to be worth it for the hurricanes. So already that one's like not great, but then you trade Carson Susie for one of your team's top prospects, a good AHL defenseman and a second round pick. It's ridiculous. Like Susie might fetch a second. And like, if you took Suzuki and LeJoie, I'd be like, okay, you know, Susie for a second, I could see that helping out the Canes. Sure. Anything more than that's ridiculous. So, yeah. <laughs> that's your cat-friendly armchair GM trades of the week, folks. I, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. This is fun. We're going we're gonna to keep doing this one, I think, for sure. I think this has to be a constant bit now. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so <laughs> I said in the intro we actually have a couple of segments, um, so we're not going to do a couple of them tonight. We do have two more planned for you that we're going to start doing very soon. Um, we're going to bring back the prospect of the week. But, you know, you know, we said earlier, if you have any trades you want to put up for armchair GM of the week, let us know. But alongside that, if you have any ideas that you think would make for a good segment during the course of the week, uh, we're still trying to come up with some on our own. Um, you know, we just floated this idea a couple of days ago. This is what we've come up with so far. We'll continue to be on the lookout for some more stuff to add to this. Um, but if you have anything you'd like to hear, let us know and maybe we'll uh give her the old college try. Well, I mean, fun episode this week, Brandon. Uh yeah, we chilling. It's always it's always weird. Like the Canes hosted like mental health awareness night, and it's like, you know, while that's a really good initiative, it's also like, why does it just have to be one night? <laughs> and it's like I feel like it's more of just like a like same with like bell let's talk day man like bell's a ghoulish company that you know posted record profits and got government aid and then laid off hundreds of workers after bell let's talk day um last year so it's like i've always found that brands talking about mental health has been disingenuous and it's kind of a bummer but like you know 
it's important. It's important to talk about it and be aware that people are, you know, not always at a hundred percent, you know? Uh, so, you know, participate if you want. I, I think it's, you know, mental health is very important as somebody that struggles with crippling anxiety, but at the same time, I do not want to support a company that doesn't care about mental health beyond right. the money. how convenient <laughs> behind the money aspect. Exactly. So I think that's it for the podcast this week. Brandon, I mean, We've got a lot of hockey coming up. We've got uh, Canes and Senators uh, Thursday night. We've got Canes and Devils on Saturday for Whalers night. And then we've got the Canes versus the Sharks to wrap up the weekend on a back-to-back. It's an early game, too. So that's literally two games in 22 hours. I know. It's it, it's going to be a, a Those busy are three weekend. teams you should beat, but that's, I mean, three games in – Three and a half days, it's going to be hard no matter how you slice it. Yeah, it's a lot. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Again, the, the schedule is going to be a little more compressed coming up, but it's exciting. Next week marks the one-year anniversary of the Track in the Storm podcast. We're hoping to have something exciting planned for you guys. We're going to talk about kind of the best moments of the year. And if you have any favorite bits, segments, comments, you know, guests appearances from this past year send them to us uh either tweet us dm us whatever we're gonna try and do like a compilation pod where you know we recap the best of the best from year one but folks as always and as it always has been since we started this podcast it's a great time to be a carolina hurricanes fan